this week on This Week in Blurns Ball. I'm Caster Troy! No, you're not. You're Jacob Morris. Wait, if I... No, you're Ben Bloom wearing my face. I want my face. Oh! Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to This Week in Blurns Ball, brought to you by our team of loyal drags. I've never seen this person before in my life. I'm Scruffy, the janitor. Get to it, dregs. I'm on break. <laughs> Nothing like starting the morning with some Scruffy. <laughs> oh, man. Don't I know it. <laughs> I am your co-host, Ben Bloom. With me, as always, is executive producer, Jacob Morris, and... We are officially into the playoff run last week for our 35th episode spectacular. If you have three hours to spare, go back and re-listen to us live call what ultimately ended up being, you know, like not the greatest playoff game in the world, but it was fun for us. It was fun. There were some pretty great playoff games last round uh, that we didn't live call, uh, especially out of that A's-White Sox series. What a series, man. Yeah, I mean, you hate to see, like, either of those teams lose. I mean, like, the A's end up winning that series. But, I mean, that Chicago-White Sox team, like, we were hoping for an L-Train World Series. Um. At some point, and then as it happens, the central gets shut the front door. Yeah, 0 for 7. I think they win a total of one game. Uh, two games. Mm. Chicago and St. Louis win a game. Uh, they win a total of two games in the first round. And if you like central baseball, you're gone in this playoffs. The flyover states just flying right over them just to get to the playoffs. And I mean, and of course we all called this, we all knew it was going to happen because this is the year that this is the Marlins have never lost a playoff series. Even a bullshit contrived one. They beat the Cubs again. The, the Marlins are the team of destiny this year. It's, it's going to be the Marlins. And I mean, they're in tough against the Braves. They're in real tough against the Braves. But if there's a team that could do it, it's the Marlins because they're the Marlins and they're now eight, no, seven and oh in playoff series. I mean, at least this time, the Cubs can't blame some poor guy with headphones on for their loss. No, because there was nobody there. There was no one there. You can't interference with a fan when there's no fans there. Which, speaking of fans, in like in the NLCS and the World Series, which is being played at the New Globe Life Ballpark in Arlington, Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, brought to you by, uh, what's it called, Whataburger. 
they're going to be allowing fans into the ballpark. Yeah, 11,500 fans. So that's about 20% capacity. Uh, once you factor in the extremely expensive suites for rich people, uh, you know, because rich people need to have a place to go watch baseball too. Uh, we just call those baseball stadiums for us poor people. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they call this a bubble, but this doesn't really seem bubble-esque. Uh, it's now more, it's more of a Venn diagram, but like a stupid one. It's a Venn diagram of idiocy. <laughs> and then for those of you who didn't see, I drew a Venn diagram with my fingers. A, a la SpongeBob imagination. <laughs> yes, a la SpongeBob imagination. Uh, now <laughs> their their plans for this quote unquote bubble of fans aren't entirely stupid they're seated in pods of four they're seated several rows apart they're uh they're required to wear masks except when eating or drinking which of course everyone will be doing perpetually so don't expect to see masks at all uh yeah it's a baseball game you have to eat all the time otherwise what are you doing you're doing baseball wrong (laughs) exactly but it seems to be a contrived way to keep people socially distanced when they're at a sporting event where one does not naturally social distance. That said, it seems like people are going to be traveling across state lines into what seems to be a super spreader event to attend the World Series. Because who in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is going to want to go to see the World Series when it's something like, oh, I don't know, New York-San Diego? Which, I'm not going to lie, I would like to see that 1998 World Series replayed, but have Tony Gwynn win it this time. Oh, man. Except yes. instead of Tony Gwynn, we have, you know, Tatis Jr. and Machado, and I think still Will Myers. Is Will Myers still on, on the Padres? Um, I think so. <laughs> I well, They've got Eric Osmer, so that's, that's, that's good, too. They're a fun team. Uh, so let's they just... Let's just very quickly run down what happened in the first round. Tampa tops Toronto 2 0. Uh, New York beat Cleveland 2 0. Uh, a slight upset there. Cleveland was the home team, which means that, you know, Yankees didn't have their home stadium magic going. Uh, unfortunately, the Trash Throws beat the Twins 2 0. And then in the one. And then in the one series that actually went the distance in the AL, Oakland beat Chicago 2-1. to one. Over in the National League and, bracket, yes. the Dodgers beat the Brewers 2-0. San Diego beat St. Louis 2-1. to one. Miami beat the Cubs 2-0. And the Braves beat the Reds 2-0. So only two series that went the distance. But uh, some exciting, exciting baseball especially considering that on Wednesday there was Baseball-a-thon. Yes, that was insane last week, where at every hour on the hour, pretty much throughout the whole day, there was a new baseball game starting. And I don't think either of us left our couches for the duration of that day. It was awesome to see. Yeah. Uh, I got. I still have a pretty full musculature in my legs from after that. I'm pretty sure I'm walking around like house these yeah, days. Yeah, pretty much. I I got up to go to the bathroom and to get food, and that was it. Wait, bathroom? That was an option. Yes. Oh boy. Oh boy. 
but yeah, uh, I saw some term it as fall frenzy, of course, as a response to the NCAA's March Madness. I love it. And if this is the one thing that we're taking out of this new playoffs is that there's a day where there are 12 straight hours of wall-to-wall baseball, give it to me. Just, just inject it into my veins. Like that is, that's what gets people excited. You know, just like having that constant stream of competitive high stakes baseball, like, I mean, they pretty much, you know, nailed that, you know, like college basketball tournament vibe on that one day. And then, of course, you have the whole weekend off because, you know, most of the series were sweeps. So, you know, baseball, big jump forward, slowly stumbles backwards a little. Yeah. And, of course, they had the slight, we're entering the bubble uh, idea where they were moving into one spot and doing testing and everything. Now, what I've been very impressed by is that there have been zero positive tests in over a month for baseball. That's amazing. I mean, and you're seeing, you know, not just in the United States, but in Canada as well, you're still seeing exorbitantly high case numbers and this thing is not going away. And I mean, from like, you, you just hope that, you know, everyone is being responsible and following the protocols and, and yeah, I mean, like, if there's a way to give people entertainment in a safe way, even if it's just, you know, like, on television, like, like never mind the people in the Dallas metropolitan area who will potentially be able to see live baseball, like, you, like, we were always hoping it would work. We had strong doubts that it would, although it's nice to see an air quotes bubble start to take hold, you know, well after everyone was clamoring for one. Yeah, uh, but it's worked. I I had my doubts, like Ben said, that this season would work. There were the outbreaks. There was the very much potential of a shutdown when 19, we're talking about 19 Marlins, got sick. Uh, and yet, here we are in the second round of the playoffs into the bubble, the bubbles. Uh, I will admit it was really weird seeing the Yankees play the Rays at Petco Park last night. (laughs) But you know what? It paid off for Stanton, who's had some big hits there in his day as the Yankees take that one. Stanton capping it off with a grand slam in the ninth. And the Yankees managed to do what the Jays couldn't make Blake Snell look like a human being as opposed to the Adonis super God that he usually is. Yeah. They got to Snell and that's what the trick is with the Rays. I mean, the problem with the Rays bullpen is that the, their guys are like, I've never heard of this guy, but his ERA is two. He throws 99 miles an hour and his mechanics look like somebody violently stabbed a lion. Uh, Good luck hitting him. By the way, he's going to get traded for three Uber prospects next year at the deadline. You'll never hear from him again, and they're all going to be awesome. They, they really are the Vought Corporation of baseball. Like, you don't, know, you don't know what they're up to, but they're up to something. They really are up to something. Like, what kind yeah. of compound like, V are they pumping their guys full of? 
All I know is that whoever they say the general manager is, it's actually Gustavo Fring. Just putting it out there. Yeah, fair enough. But then again, Gustavo Fring versus Darth Vader. I think Darth Vader's got the edge in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, the Yankees are just... They, they have rounded into what they were saying they were going to be in the offseason, a fully functional Death Star. They've hit something like 20 home runs in the playoffs already. I know it's not quite that many, but they've set a playoff record for most home runs hit in the first three games of the playoffs. And you have this series taking place at a pitcher's ballpark. You know, Petco, vast, sprawling, uh, vast, sprawling outfield. But those corners, they're deceptively close. I mean, you hit it off the old Western supply facade. Like, you can easily chip shot a couple homers off of that. Yeah. Uh, and remember, there's also the marine layer in uh, San Diego where you hit it up in the air and it gets knocked down. That is true. So you really got to like, you gotta be hitting smart, hitting selectively, or just be a bunch of superhumans like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah. And just do that. And just going up the coast a bit to uh, Dodger Stadium where the Astros and Athletics were playing because, of course, this is what's happening. No one has true home park advantage. I guess, do the A's count home state advantage as anything? Although Northern California and Southern California might as well be their own states, each with a population bigger than Canada. Yeah. Uh, and, man, it's hard to pick who the good guy it- in the other series, it's very easy to pick who the good guys are. Go A's. But it's hard to pick who the good guys are in this Yankees-Rays series because I hate them both so much. But, like, are the Yankees the good guys? They pay their players. But they're also the Yankees. I mean, again, like, I remember, like, I, 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 I think I was going to a Jays-Yankees game with my dad and little sister. Or, no, we were watching it on TV. And my sister looks at me knowing I'm a Red Sox fan and being like, who do you cheer for in this game? And I say, oh, I cheer for rain. She's like, what does that mean? It's like, well, I don't really like either of the teams. And then my dad says, well, idiot, they're playing under the dome. And then Emily's like, well, what do you do then? I'm like, I cheer for a squirrel attack. <laughs> Rally squirrel. <laughs> Rally squirrel. Little five-year-old starts laughing like she. Since from then, she has cheered for a squirrel attack at every game she has gone to because she wants to go home. Yeah. <laughs> so remember, if you ever don't know who to cheer for, squirrel attack, squirrel. <laughs> but yeah, the Astros took their game ten to five, and of course, you know they're they are playing the victim card so hard and no one is buying that shit steer into it if they were to be like yeah we did it we're proud of it they would be such a likable heel and mlb could use a heel this season yeah i mean like everyone likes a bad boy like but these guys are just idiots yeah it's like we did something wrong we won't cop to it and we'll be smug about it, but not in the fun smug kind of way. Like, you know, like, like the Yankees do some, like, like the Yankees will do some shit and they'll be like, what are you going to do about it? It's like, yeah, you rascals. rascals. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, the closest thing we have to a heel this year is Joe Kelly, and Joe Kelly's not a heel. Joe Kelly's no. a fun guy. He's he's the best guy. He has his own fight club. <laughs> and yeah, so the A's they're in thick against a again, even with the the lower batting averages this year. You still have a team with a lot of talent, a lot of playoff experience, and some some intimidating pitchers in the Houston Trash Rows. Like, uh, like the, this afternoon's game is going to be like a big factor for Oakland if they want to stay competitive. Yeah, I mean, I'd say today's a make or break day for Oakland, and today is the traditional uh, four day where this would be the kickoff of a normal playoffs where you have four games in one day and they go back to back to back to back. Uh, baseball Christmas, if you will. But that was last week, which is, I don't know, baseball Hanukkah, which really makes sense. There were eight games. For once, the Jews do something awesome. Now, we've done other cool stuff too, like Irving Berlin's one of ours. He is. You know who else is one of ours? Batman? I mean, yes, but I was going to say Rod Carew. Oh, shit, that's right. He converted. Hey, anyone who wants to join the team, we need we need to fill up our roster, so we are now accepting applications. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I am really, really looking forward to that L.A.-San Diego game. That is going to be one hell of a series. And it's got the 9.38 because weird sponsorship bullshit start time later tonight. And, yeah, we'll both be awake for that. That is that is the series I'm going to be paying the most attention to, not just because I want to see Mookie Betts win every award and trophy, because oh. I really do. Clayton Kershaw's it. quote on Mookie Betts this past week, he's like the best right fielder I've ever seen. It sums it up so well. Mookie Betts is the best right fielder in baseball right now. Perhaps the best player in baseball right now because Mike Trout plays for the Angels, who, you know, stink. Uh, yeah, and, it's, and we talked about this a bit during our live call that, you know, like, like does Mike Trout get knocked for the rest of his team not helping him get to the postseason? But then you look at Mookie Betts in the playoffs, and he's he's automatic. If Tyler Hero's a bucket, Mookie Betts is a stand-up double. Yeah. Mookie Betts is obscenely good. There's no other way to put it. Uh, Mookie Betts is the kind of guy who he can put his team on his back when he needs to be there and might be that piece that takes the Dodgers over the top to a championship. And if just, just, just if, hand me your silverware so I can jam it deeper into my heart. Like if there's, a, if, if there's a team that deserves championship after these last few years, it's the Dodgers. Yeah, the Trash Rose title was suspect. The Red Sox one was legitimate, but remember Not in no <laughs> guilty scent. Not in no guilty scent, but the the Dodgers, they won that crazy nineteen inning game. And then couldn't muster another win after that. Like, they won the equivalent of two games and still lost the World Series. But again, that 
that native Aldi performance, that's all time going out on your shields, like awesome postseason performance. Yeah. And, oh, you know, I had forgotten sorry, about that 19 inning game, but now that you bring it up, oh man, that was insane. Oh my. I watched every pitch in between blinks during commercial breaks, just like, what is going on? Where am I? I have lost feeling in all of my extremities. I want this game end, and yet I never want this game to end. Let it be the bottom and, of the 277th inning. Like, like, have it be a Lord's Cricket match. Like, just, it goes for five days. Nobody knows who's winning. We need breaks for tea. Like, yeah, test cricket. That was, yes, we... If baseball was played like test cricket, it would alienate so many people, but we'd have the whole whole uh, grounds to ourselves. Hey, That'd be awesome. That's how you have an effective bubble. You just cater it to us two idiots? Yes. <laughs> oh man, I, I would I would take a swab in the nose to watch test baseball. <laughs> Having taken a swab in the nose? Yeah, I'd do it again. Yeah, I I did one um, last week, just pr- pr- purely precautionary. Be willing to do it to go watch Test Baseball. Test. Coming up next on ESPN 8, Test Baseball. ESPN 8 is generous. ESPN 26, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And we're talking about playoff you know, great moments, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention um, the uh, passing of a baseball icon, uh, Bob Gibson, who who died last week, you know, one of the all-time best baseball players, period. I mean, he, like, like he was the St. Louis Cardinals pitching staff for a, an incredibly long time, and a literal game changer, let's not forget. They had to lower the mound because no one could get a goddamn hit off. He was too good. He, year of the pitcher was actually year of the Bob Gibson. Uh, yeah. He, he pushed and, having a sub one ERA. It was, it, he didn't quite do it, but damn, the guy came close. 112, I think, was his final ERA in 68. And... Let's not forget the year before 1967 in the World Series against the Red Sox. Games one, four, and seven, complete game wins, had an ERA of one over those three games, and he hit a goddamn home run yeah. because he's Bob Gibson. And, you know, just one of like the best baseball players ever. He will be sorely missed and, you know, like – if you haven't had a chance to yet, I, I think they've unpaywalled it. Read Joe Poznanski's Baseball Top 100 on Bob Gibson, where it gets into a bit of like, you know, of course he was intimidating on the mound, a fierce competitor, but in his personal life was just like the consummate gentleman and, you know, really just like an absolutely brilliant baseball mind yeah uh and it showed that after his career was done he was a terrific broadcaster too mm-hmm. he he was one of the few players who not only understood the game really well but understood how to communicate the game really well 
which a lot of guys can't do. Uh, we look yeah. at even A-Rod, who gets a lot of praise for being a great baseball commentator. I don't know about that. He's a guy who throws a lot of buzzwords out there. Um, but He's charming he, as fuck, though, and it bothers me. Yeah, he's so charming. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of guys who understand the game very well, but can't communicate the game very well. And Bob Gibson could make you understand the game better. You listen to Bob Gibson, and you were like, man, I get baseball better now. And if you haven't watched any of his highlights, go watch them. And like people, people like deservedly praise Sandy Koufax for that era of pitching. Go watch Bob Gibson. He is someone who, like, not only in terms of longevity, but also accolades and talent and baseball savvy. Like, just an incredible, incredible, you know, representative of the sport of baseball. And like one last Bob Gibson story. Um, in 2013, I was lucky enough to head down to St. Louis and catch games three and four of the World Series. Game three, the Will Middlebrooks obstruction call. Jim Joyce, you you are always there when we don't want you to be. And then, of course, game four with the David Ortiz, you know, pep talk, the Johnny Gomes home run, and the Koji pick of Colton Wong, me being delirious. But I had to get back to school, man. I had, I, and my dad was staying for game five, and he's like, are you sure you can't stay? I'm like, no, I have to I have responsibilities. He's like, so what? Responsibilities? Dad, this is the World Series. You know what he ended up doing with my ticket? He traded it for an autographed Bob Gibson baseball. Wow. Easiest trade That's ever. the easiest trade of all time. And my dad loved Bob Gibson. My dad loved those late 60s Cardinals because there was no Blue Jays back then. Like, the Cardinals were his first baseball love. And, you know, like, he remembers watching Lou Brock. He remembers Bob Gibson. Um, later on, of course, you know, he had an affinity for Ozzie Smith. And he was, he was loving it in St. Louis. Everyone, like, was commenting on his, uh, his Bob Gibson throwback. And, you know, like, like he had the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the tackle twill wool stand usual era hat and he, he was loving it and here i am as the out of tenor they still treated me nice but you know treated him nicer so yeah you know easiest trade in the world even if i would have said you know i am gonna come here for game five he probably should have said no taking the baseball over you yeah <laughs> put the baseball as, as well he should have and put the baseball in the seat the baseball is my new son now wouldn't play <laughs> But yeah, I will absolutely be missed. And, and an unfortunate other, well, another, another unfortunate loss for the Cardinals who, you know, who noted the passing of Lou Brock earlier this year as well. Yeah, it has been a, I mean, it's been a rough year for everybody, but it's been a rough year for uh, the baseball community this year, uh, losing a number of all-time greats. Oh, absolutely. And... Yeah, and, you know, when you think playoff baseball, you think of these all-time great players and the moments they had in them, of course. And remember, in 1968, the Tigers beat the Cardinals in that World Series. You know, not for lack of Bob Gibson Gibsoning everyone, but, 
it's always a funny like end note to that 1968 season. Yeah, it's an incredibly funny end note, especially Gibson had one of the greatest World Series games ever pitched in Game <laughs> Seven. It's it's amazing they don't make pitchers like that anymore. No, they really I mean, don't. I mean. And the whole abuse on the arm thing has changed that, too. I mean, even Bob Gibson today wouldn't pitch that many complete games, that many innings. I mean, he was a 300-inning pitcher. Nobody pitches 300 innings anymore. But his career might have lasted twice as long. He still pitched a really long time, though, going 300-odd a year. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. He He was a machine. He was something else. And, and when guys crack 200 nowadays, we're like, wow, look at the effort. Look at the workhorse. I mean, Bob Gibson looks at 200 innings and says, wimp. Started. Yeah. Um, so don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but it's almost the off season. Right? I mean, we're looking at maybe three more weeks of baseball to go. And then... yeah. I- I mean, we had a really extended off season this season, so we're wasn't that fun. No, it was not. well. We had a movie bracket. That movie bracket was great. We'll have another bracket too, if Matt Damon ever finds time for us. Matt Damon. <laughs> With apologies to our best fictional athlete bracket, we ran out of time. In the interim, though, we do have some potentially intriguing free agents coming up in this year's free agent class. Yeah. Uh, top of my list is Trevor Bauer. Uh, he of the one-year yeah. bounce-around contract. Uh, <laughs> who knows where he'll be? Where could he be? Do, 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 believe it or not, it's just me. Wait, I just confused Uh-oh. the real ending to that song with the George ending to that song from Seinfeld. I, I like the Seinfeld one better because it wasn't a garbage 80s show. Yeah, that's fair. The garbage 80s show lasted for like five seasons. Well, back then you could get deals like that, and then you, and, but now, you know, you cancel Firefly after one season. Don't remind me. <laughs> I got DJ LeMayhew high on my list who... The Yankees could back up the Brinks truck for him or someone, I'm not saying Anaheim, but I'm definitely saying, I'm saying Anaheim, Anaheim yeah. could and should offer him a lot of money to be a productive both sides of the ball player. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, I think the Jays might be a big player in the pitching free agency. Uh They've yeah. got the makings of a decent rotation. They've still got Ryu. They've got Pearson's uh, set to come back to the rotation. Uh, Shoemaker is still under arbitration rights. There's a decent front end. Walker, there's no indication that he would or wouldn't return, but he's an intriguing piece who's a free agent nonetheless. Mm-hmm. But with their playoff six, well, with their brief playoff cameo, but their success this season, uh, it would be indicating that they'd be willing to spend. The pitching is definitely a weakness, and there's pitchers who would be willing to come to Toronto and play with that young core. Absolutely. I mean, Jake Arrieta is available. Uh, Chris Archer 
has a club option on him. Kevin Gossman is a potential target. J.A. Happ could even come back, even though later in career J.A. Happ is a bit different. Uh, I could see James Paxton coming up to Toronto, pitching in Canada again. Big Maple. I mean, he's coming off an injury-riddled season. Yeah, that is true. I mean, from a Canadian perspective, you hope Paxton's arm gets back and you hope that he's in full health. And But yeah, that would be... He, he did have his no-hitter in Canada, so maybe there's something about that turf. Maybe. Well, who even knows if they'll be playing in Toronto in 2021? That's right. There's still... I mean, how the season is going to look is still up in the air. And, I mean, you're already looking at other professional leagues. Um, I, I know... Uh, both like that, you know, both the NHL and NBA are likely going to be starting once 2021 begins. So January is when they have like a soft target for, for those seasons to get underway. Um, does, do they employ bubbles again? Does baseball employ bubbles again? Does the NFL, let's not talk about the NFL because oh, they're just going to NFL. The NFL is just going to NFL. What was there, like 12, 14 players on the Minnesota Vikings? The number just keeps climbing. Uh, it was the Titans who had the biggest outbreak. I know Minnesota was, you know, abundance of cautioning everything. Ah, yes. But the Titans, man, like, and I have a friend of mine who lives in Nashville now and on my Twitter feed, I see, you know, lots of him shaking his head at what's been going on in that state. And yeah, they've had, even this week with um, Patriots court, Cam Newton uh, being diagnosed with uh, COVID-19 and, you know, everyone on the team, you know, needed to be tested multiple times, the game being pushed to, I mean, they didn't have to push it as far back as they had to do with uh, Tennessee and Minnesota. But that impacted, you know, the Ravens and the Steelers who had to, you know, swap around a couple games just because of the ripple effect. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who knows? And then, and then the Cowboys had 25,000 people at Jerry World. So, like, who, who knows what's going on? And Jerry World's just across the parking lot from the old new Globe Life ballpark at Arlington in the Dallas-Fort Worth area brought to you by Whataburger. Yeah, which, that is just, time. which is just across the parking lot from the new Globe Life Park in Arlington, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, brought to you by Whataburger. Have you ever had Whataburger? I have not had Whataburger, but I've heard good things about Whataburger. I've heard good things, too. I haven't had it. I know Patrick Mahomes had made them expand to Kansas City because, you know, he got to have his burgers or his ketchup with burgers on the side. Yeah. Well, I've never been to the right part of the country to have Whataburger. I've had In-N-Out because I've been to the right part of the country there. Yeah. I, I do enjoy In-N-Out Burger as well. Um, I'm trying to think of like American burger chains. You know, like you got Jack in the Box, Carl's Jr., Hardee's. Um, I've never had Shake Shack. No? Either have no, I. Have it's, yeah. been, it's, it's been a while since I've been in New York. But is it worth the hype? Uh, uh, yeah, it's okay. The shakes are good. You know, that's the thing. If you're if you're putting shake in your name, you got you got to make it good. And I just watched the founder again over the weekend, where it's like they're milkshakes. They need to have milk in them. No, Ron Swanson, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as 
as we were saying, uh, yeah, who knows where the Jays are going to be in 2021? Are they going to be back in Buffalo? Are they going to be in Toronto? Who knows if it's going to be in a 162-game season? Uh, these are all things that complicate this offseason. And there's a lot of complications that exist outside the baseball world, too, that could, you know, throw things one way or another. So right now, I mean, we have the playoffs. We hope that there are no Venn diagram breaches where it turns into like a brainiac symbol. Oh, boy. But mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lot, lots of flurried hand motions. And just a couple other potential targets for free agent teams. Um, George Springer from Ooh. the Trash Rose. I mean, he's on the wrong side of 30, but damn, is he good. And especially, and he, he just jacked two home runs yesterday. Yes, he did. And then you also have Jackie Bradley Jr., who is now eligible to test the open market. Someone should give him a tremendous amount of money just to lock down your outfield defensively and get good bat when needed. And then there's the wild card in all of this. What is Cleveland going to do with Francisco Lindor? Because they do not seem to want to pay him. And he's got one year left till free agency. Is there going to be a Mookie Bet situation on our hands? Where they do something incredibly stupid for no reward? Yes, Probably. exactly that. Probably. <laughs> I, I so desperately want the Jays to be in on this. <laughs> You'd have to give up one of the children, though. Would you? Look what they've given up for Mookie. Yeah, but, you know, my Red Sox are idiots. <laughs> yes. Is Cleveland any smarter? Well, you know, they have two buildings. The, the, their, their lake catches on fire. Their main export is crippling depression. <laughs> People think that letters are art. <laughs> it's like Vegas, but cold 10 months a year. Man, we could, we could totally do a spoken word version of those. But we're not Detroit. We're not Detroit. We're not Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Something tells me that it's happening. The Mark Shapiro Manchurian candidate situation is happening. Yeah. He's been asleep long enough. <laughs> The Cleveland spy will finally come in from the cold and the Jays long con, if this is what it's all been, just to get Lindor into the dome. If this is the extent that Shapiro and Atkins have done, it would be perfect. Because remember, the Jays, you know, gave Encarnacion for peanuts and everyone's like, oh, well, look, guess he's a double agent. But what if he's a triple agent? What? What if he's a quad? Yeah. What if he is a triple agent? What if he gets Lindor and gives him all kinds of money? What if this is a face-off situation? And with that, we come to <laughs> Cage's Corner. Wow. That segue was as bad as an actual segue. <laughs> but yes, we've realized that, you know, Connery Corner could only go so far because in the words of Yoda, there is another. Yes. And that other is Nick Cage. Nick Cage! <laughs> so, 
for those of you who aren't familiar with the segment, the newly renamed Cage Corner is where we look at a great but somehow terrible but somehow awesome and yet incredibly problematic movie from Nick Cage. We've done it with Sean Connery. We've done some stinkers and some great ones. We even had the two of them face off, but now we'll have an actual face off because we're talking face off. Oh man, face off. The most ridiculous and yet amazing and yet ridiculous and yet terrific movie of the late 90s. John Travolta and Nick Cage playing Nick Cage and John Travolta. Oh, my brain hurts thinking about it. (laughs) And you have these two starkly different, crazy in different ways actors. And one's an FBI agent, one's a super terrorist. You're never quite sure who is who, because at one point in time, they foil Nick Cage's plan. No, Nick Cage is the FBI agent. John Travolta is the super terrorist. But I thought, but I thought John Travolta was the FBI agent sworn to get revenge for his child getting shot by Nick Cage, who also has a child who looks like the child who was shot. Right? No. And so so there's some. It's so cool. So in their up. original faces, Nick Cage is the FBI agent and John Travolta is the super terrorist. But like half what? an hour in. They take John Travolta's face. I thought it was too. (laughs) I thought it was too, but it wasn't. Is Pastor Troy a deep cover agent and John Travolta's a dirty cop? Yes. (laughs) The point is, someone... Wikipedia. The the point is, someone... John Travolta is Sean Archer. No, John Travolta's the FBI agent. And Nick Cage is the terrorist. Okay. What is he, they? <laughs> Shit. And so Nick Cage's plan gets foiled, but there are still machinations in the works. And he's in a coma. So John Travolta's bosses say, we need you to go undercover as Nick Cage. We'll, we'll just use their actor names because we need to keep the plot straight. It's like, how am I going to do that? We have new technology that cuts his face off and puts it on your face on. And also, it makes your voice sound the same and your body look the same. But we're going to... And your penis look the same, as we discover later. Yes. And so they send... Now it's it's Nick Cage. It's John John Travolta as Nick Cage. As John Travolta. Travolta. So you now have Nick Cage learning how to be Nick Cage, which... I mean, sure, leaving in Las Vegas won him his Oscar, but this is his best acting performance. Yeah. But then, of course, because 90s movies, Nick Cage wakes up without a face from his coma, gets John Travolta's face onto his face, murders everyone, and now it's John Travolta pretending to... Now it's John Travolta acting like Nick Cage. Acting like Nick Cage pretending to be John Travolta. So he takes over John Travolta's life. And now it's, it gets weirder and crazier as they try to weird and out-crazy each other. And in the immortal words of Nick Castavetes, no more drugs for this man. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and the whole thing that reveals the whole face-off plot is a blood test. Now, how would that work? Because you've had a massive flesh transplant. Your blood would be rejecting it. 
how do neither of these guys die of systemic organ failure or, you know, have massive scarring around their faces? Sure, lasers, but that's bullshit. No, everyone knows that lasers aren't real. Yes, exactly. I mean, it would have made more sense if they just said, we have a way to put your brain inside his body. But then how would any of it work? (laughs) The point is, it is John Wooey to the max. Like John Wooey being the adjective form of John Woo. Yes. There's doves, there's double guns, there's... There's gun-fu. Gun-fu is awesome. Yeah. That's the only reason why people watch Mission Impossible 2. I mean, no one cares about Doug Ray Scott, no offense, but we want to see doves and gun-fu. Yeah. The guy gets impaled with a harpoon gun. John Travolta gets impaled with a harpoon gun. No. Yes. Nick Cage John... wearing John Travolta's face. Yes, Nick Cage wearing John Travolta's face gets impaled with a harpoon gun by John Travolta wearing Nick Cage's face. Oh, my God, this movie gets confusing. It's Freaky Friday to the extreme. It's like The Departed, only a good movie. Well, it allegedly inspired Internal Affairs, which inspired The Departed. So remember, when you're watching The Departed, you're actually watching Martin Scorsese remaking Face Off. And I'm pretty sure Face Off was in itself like a remake of Rashomon, because of course, why not? (laughs) Everything's a remake of Rashomon. That's not how I remember it. (laughs) Thank you, Homer Simpson. (laughs) And there's an insane cast in Face Off. Joan Allen, Colm Fiore, CCH Pounder, the true um, Amanda Waller. Let's not Yes, let's all be honest here. Yeah, she is Amanda Waller, like, I mean... In person, yeah. In, in, like, Viola Davis was stellar in her, like, three minutes as, as Amanda and re- Waller. And returning in the new one. Good, because, you know, how to get away with murder is pretty much Amanda Waller's raison d'etre. Yeah, it's her, it's her origin story. Which, again, still, my vote's for CCH. Yeah, CCH Pounder is perfect for that role. And not just because she was the voice in the cartoon. Yes, and also her name is Pounder. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, so if we're... This movie made $220 million. And that was 1997 money. Money wasn't a real thing in the Clinton era. Now, the only question I have is how did they not make a face-off too? Facer offer. I mean, do you get the like do you get John Travolta now and Nick Cage now to reprise their roles? Well, how do you get John Travolta now? Because he's no, how do you get Nick Cage now? Because he's dead. Is Nick Cage ever really dead? That's, ooh, what if he had an evil twin? No, wait, he's evil. What if he had a twin that we didn't know about? Well, we already, he already had the twin, so wouldn't that be a triplet? <gasps> he gagged. I yes, mean, do it. I, I want to see it. I mean, the face-off technology will be a lot harder, you know, both of their skins are 20 plus years older, so. And flabbier. Yeah. But again, we've had back to back Nick Cage trying to out crazy someone movies. 
No, we had we had National Treasure last week. That's right. Nick Cage tries to out crazy the Freemasons. Yeah. Sean Bean doesn't die. All good things. So Nick Cage got out crazy by Sean Connery. We can all admit that. Who wins in the out crazy face off face off between Nick Cage and John Travolta? I think John Travolta wins because John Travolta had to play Nick Cage. Whereas, which means he had to up his game, where Nick Cage was just playing John Travolta, which for him was like a step down. But still, Nick Cage was just playing a Scientologist. John Travolta (laughs) was playing Nick Cage. (laughs) There's too much crazy going on here. And yeah, I mean... Again, how did how does this movie not win every Oscar? Like, who won the Oscar in nineteen ninety seven? Titanic. This was better than Titanic. <laughs> yeah, this was better than Titanic. Also, recasting Titanic with Sean Archer and Caster Troy. There's room on the door for my face. Oh, boy. There's room on the door for my face. That's the title of this That's episode. That's the title of this episode. I was struggling for a title for this episode. But yes, there's room on the door for my face. There is definitely excessive <laughs> punctuation in this title. <laughs> okay, how do you rate, rate this movie? <laughs> I give it three incredibly sexy cats out of a potential two. <laughs> I'm a sexy cat. I give it five floating doves with pigeon faces wielding guns out of two. Okay. This was, this was a very good and yet very confusing movie. I highly recommend it. You should all watch it and then, you know, sequester yourself for two weeks to give yourself a mental break. Yes. Because it is a lot. It's a lot. And then watch Internal Affairs, which is a great movie. Yeah, and then don't watch The Departed. Watch The Town, which is a better Boston crime movie. Or they robbed the Fenway Park. They robbed Fenway yeah. Park. I know. It's like, and there's a moment where like, guys, are we really robbing Fenway Park? It's like, well, yeah. Like, look what happened in the chicken and beer year. It's like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's what happens when you have Boston guys write a Boston crime movie. Although Friends of Eddie Coyle, if you want the ultimate Boston crime movie because it was actual Boston crime. Yes. Yes. And that's also a book. I don't know if Ben Affleck could write a book, but I would read it every single goddamn page. Yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> so... I think we've done things a little bit out of order because we forgot to tell people to fucking vote because we just had such a great transition from triple agent to face off. Yes, we did. So again, go fucking vote. And I saw that, you know, voter registration has closed in some states, but in a lot of states you can still register and you can register day of election day. So for a lot of people, if you're worried that you haven't been able to register yet, Find out at your state or if you're living in Canada, find out through the proper authorities how you can vote and vote safely. Yeah. Uh, And remember, 
you don't have to vote in person on election day. Uh, it's a pandemic. It is risky. In a lot of states in the United States, they have uh, made a smaller number of precincts this year because there are fewer people volunteering to be poll workers, understandably so. They don't want to be risking their health to uh, run the polls, especially because those who generally are poll workers are older and therefore more vulnerable. Uh, if you don't want to be standing in line for like eight hours, as some people have reported, to vote, there are a number of ways you can vote in advance. You can vote by mail. Uh, you can drop off at a advanced uh, at a advanced drop off location. You can vote at an advanced polling location. All of these are completely legitimate ways to vote, regardless of what some politicians, President Donald Trump, excuse me, I coughed there, President Donald Trump. Oh might say. Let's not talk about coughing. It was it was a throat <laughs> thing, not a chest thing. Okay. Sure it was. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm totally not accusing certain people of other things. <laughs> um, but also go um we saw it on Twitter the other day, Andrew McCutcheon continuing to be the MVP of life, posting an amazing video on how to vote safely. Yeah. He even had Mac show up as a guest star. And Michael Keaton, who was a stand-up comedian. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Remember, when Michael Keaton got cast as Batman, everyone was just concerned that Mr. Mom was going to be playing Batman. <laughs> Mr. Mom was a great Batman. Mr. Mom was perhaps the best Batman. The argument could be made. I mean, Christopher Nolan directing Dark Knight Returns with Michael Keaton. That's the perfect Batman That's movie. the perfect Batman. That is the perfect Batman setup. Does, does that mean Jack Nicholson comes back as old man Joker? He kind of has to, doesn't he? But he killed Joker. Or did he? Did he, though? Was it all in his head? Pretty much every Batman movie just takes place inside the mind of a sad eight-year-old. Yeah, fair enough. So... <laughs> Like, that's like the ultimate Saint Elsewhere ending to the Batman saga. He's just staring at that snow globe forever, Alfred. Rosebud. Yes, it's Master One. It's Rosebud. Oh, okay, boy. Jake, it's Chinatown. Michael Caine, how'd you get it to Chinatown? Michael Caine's in every movie. Chris Nolan directed it. Wow. <laughs> Okay, so go fucking vote and you don't have to listen to us talk about bullshit anymore. Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't watch John Oliver, I would like to plug one other Get Out the Vote site. Uh, GetYourBootyToThePolls.com Yes. Yes. Uh, they're, they're a Get Out the Vote site created by strippers. Uh, and they yes. cover all of the great reasons to get out the vote and it's not made by dorks like us. Yeah. Listen to, listen to them. You don't have to listen to us. Listen to that. Yeah. It's a sexy reason to get out the vote. Because we are decidedly not. Well, I mean, to certain types. I mean, you know, we're okay. Solid sixes. Yeah, I mean, we're in Ontario 6, which is a Manitoba 12. Yeah. <laughs> or a Saskatchewan 14. Oh, okay. There are, some, there are some very lovely people from Saskatchewan. I will not bash Saskatchewan on this podcast. Manitoba, however, we're coming for you. 
Dan Barry, you thought you were Manitoba. <laughs> you, you watch yourselves. Yes. Okay, so I think that brings us to our wrapping up segments, which means it's time for our Futurama episodes of the week. Yes, it does. And I don't know if we're going to be picking the same episode, but I think we are. I'm going with The Root of All Evil. Oh, good episode. It's another Qbert episode. We get Dwight Conrad in there. We get another scruffy introduction like we had off the top. And, of course, Bender giving birth to beer. My, my uh, favorite yes. plot on Futurama was Bender being pregnant with Bender Brow. Ah, uh, Bender Brow. Bender Brow was a great B-plot. I hope it's a lager. <laughs> oh, I can hear it fermenting. <laughs> What's going on? Is this anger yelling or busted hearing aid yelling? I'm afraid it's both. What? And of course, you know, paper routes in space, HG blob absorbing people. <laughs> All good things in a classic, you know, like set them up, knock them down, Futurama episode. Yeah. Oh, man. Classic episode. Um, my episode is an incredibly early episode. It's episode four of the whole series. Love's Labor's Lost in Space. The Zap Brannigan debut. Zap Brannigan's debut. The trick <laughs> is that kill butts have a limit as to how many men they could kill. So I just sent wave after wave of men at them until they hit their upper limit. Isn't that right, men? Yes. <laughs> That's also Nibbler's debut. It's Kiff's debut. It has Champagne. <laughs> I've studied abroad or two. <laughs> The hover bed is plugged in. <laughs> so much great about that episode. And we need more Zap Brannigan in our life because there's too much crazy bullshit. We need some, you know, cartoon bullshit. <laughs> yeah, well, one of my favorite things about the last election cycle, and the last election cycle was really bad, was Billy West reading Trump's tweets as Zap Brannigan. And I'd like back it if he brought that back. Back when everything was funny, when it's now just bad. Well, I'm sure it was bad back then, but we... It wasn't horrifying. But it was still concerning, so we could still laugh. Yes. <laughs> oh, Zap, Brannigan. Go see a saucy puppet show. Whatever your problem is, I'm willing to send wave after wave of men at it. <laughs> so good. We have these ravioli to go. <laughs> oh, man. And that brings us to our classic game of the week. Want to go ahead with yours? I will go ahead with mine. Mine was four years and two days ago. Blue Jays, Orioles, wild card game, the bat drop. I think I might have picked this one before, but it was timely, so I've picked it again. <laughs> that last, was a great game. That was a the, terrific game. And last week on the podcast, I put up my phone of the Edwin Encarnacion home run because I had a crazy view of it. Over had the third one, hell of a view of it, yeah. 
That was a fun game to watch. And let's not forget, it's not about who plays. It's about who doesn't play. Oh, oh hey, Zach, Zach Britton. Britton. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I don't know if I've told you the story that they tried to sell Zach Britton's jersey from that game as a game-used jersey. No, 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 no. That was a game-issued jersey, guys. You keep saying that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Oh, the Princess Bride. Always a great reference. Always a great reference. I'm going with a Red Sox game in a surprise to no one. Game four of the 2003 ALDS. Red Sox, Oakland at Fenway. David Ortiz with the go-ahead two-run double in the eighth inning off Keith Folky. Ooh, there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. The guy who ends up saving the World Series the next year for the Red Sox ends up being on the Oakland team that took a 2-0 lead against Boston, and the Red Sox battled back only to lose to Aaron Bleeping Boone in the next round. But the Red Sox, though that era of Red Sox, they were coming down back from like 02, 03 leads like it was nothing. Yeah. It's like that's where we want them to be. We've got you right where we want you. Also, was this wild card round win Oakland's first ever playoff series win of the Billy Bean era? Well, the A's didn't win that series. They just won a couple games. (laughs) It counts. It counts. Until they lose. And... This is 2003, so this is the Moneyball year. Oh, this is Scott I mean, Hatterberg. I mean, this year's. Oh, shit. Yeah, I guess what they did qualifies as a playoff series win. So good job, Oakland. You won. You did it. There's a happy ending after all for Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. Jonah, Hill, Jonah Hill works for the Cleveland Browns now. Their team name is Browns and their helmet is orange. Oh, Cleveland. Never change. Never change. But yeah, so if you want to remember a time when the Red Sox were in the playoffs and winning games, go rewatch this game because it was fun. And of course, both of us, I think we can consensus agree, go watch some Bob Gibson highlights. Especially him batting. He had a mean swing, too. Yeah. Back when pitchers hitting wasn't the guaranteed out because pitchers hit everywhere back then. Yeah, there was no DH until Ron Blomberg came along. Yep. Oh, the 70s, when they decided to change baseball everywhere. Mostly with cocaine. Oh, cocaine. White rocks. There's a white line running along the base paths. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> That's a Robin Williams bit. It's a Robin Williams joke, yeah. It's like, there's all this white powder. Come on, man. Have you ever tried playing baseball without drugs? It's boring as hell. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so I think that brings us to the end of this week in Blurns Ball. Uh, so, for those of you listening, uh, you can find us on... Well, for those of you listening, you found us on one of your favorite podcatchers. But if it's not your favorite podcatcher, you can find us on any of your favorite podcatchers. Uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, 
Amazon podcasts now because they have a podcast platform now. Ooh. And we will deliver with days or it's free, except it's already free, but we'll still deliver it for free. Yes. Um, and if you like us, give us five stars and a good review uh, because that's how it helps other people find the podcast. And if you don't like us, don't give us a review because, uh, you know, that doesn't help people. We have very fragile egos. Please only say nice things or we will sit in a corner listening to Sarah McLaughlin. I mean, what? No, we will. Don't, don't hide it. It's true. I will remember you. Oh, God, I should not be singing. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with the podcast, we're on most social media. Uh, we're This Week in Blurns Ball on Facebook. We're at TWI Blurns Ball on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find us on YouTube and watch our fun uh, and get our visual jokes. We're This Week in Blurns Ball. Uh, or maybe you've been watching us on YouTube this whole time, and I didn't need to tell you that. <sighs> Uh, That's why I shouldn't be dancing. No, you shouldn't. Uh, You can also uh, email us. That's twiblearnsball at gmail.com. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you like, dislike, what you think we should be covering in the future. Let us know if there's any athletes that we should have on our best fictional athlete bracket when it ultimately comes to that during the offseason when nothing is happening. And again, if you reach out to us on social media, you will be speaking to the adult of the podcast. So you don't have to worry about me saying stupid things. Hey, you kind of do. You also can follow you also can follow Ben and myself on Twitter. I'm at JMS Morris. Ben is at Benjamin K. Bloom. For the most part, it's sports and Futurama gifts. Pretty much. Yeah, we are who we are. Like this podcast is not us playing characters. If it was we would need to go back to the writer's room. We also don't have a writer's room. Writer's room? What's that? It's where actually talented people meet to come up with things. Ah. Yeah. I don't follow. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so, for this week in Blurns Ball, I'm Jacob Morris, or am I Ben Bloom playing Jacob Morris? Oh, shit. And I'm Ben Bloom, or did I have my face taken off Put on to Jacob Morris's face, and I'm now playing him, playing Nick Cage, playing me, playing Jamie Lee Curtis. Whoa! You don't know. We don't know, man! We don't know! Uh, thank you so much for listening. Farewell from the world of tomorrow! Coming up next week on This Week in Learns Ball. Jews in space!